In episode 14 of Dad Focals, we welcome Glenn Watson to the studio, a good friend of Sam's and fellow CrossFitter. Um, Glenn goes into amazing detail about his relationship with his father and the early days of taking over his business um, and the challenges uh, that he came up against in, in those moments with, um, with a young family. Uh, Glenn and his partner, Leanne, actually fell pregnant and, and had their first at the age in, the, in their early 20s. And just juggling um, life as, with their own business and a young family and the tribulations that came with that. Um, through that, Glenn rediscovered his faith and built a, a, a religious or a church structure around his family. Um, and, and that served them all really, really well. We hear messages from Hannah, Glenn and Leanne's eldest, who really, really eloquently states what her dad means to her and, and how he goes about life. Um, which gave Sammy and I some really great um, tips along the way as to how to manage um, a family of five and how to balance everything that comes with that. Um, Glenn talks incredibly well about the seasons of, of life and the opportunities that are offered within those seasons and, and travel being a major part of that and taking time one-on-one um, -on -one and, and as a five. Um, and then he also talks about and bullying which he's he's now 19 year old son unfortunately experienced all the way through school and as, as now out of school is really is really blossoming blossoming as a as a great human being um, we're incredibly grateful to glenn um for, for his time and this is actually the last episode of season one and uh, we want to miss uh, we want to wish all you dad folklers and everybody out there and all our listeners an awesome christmas and thank you so much for your support we'll be back in the new year welcome to dad focals the show where we look at life through the lens of a dad we're no experts and we're not here to offer advice we're here to exchange stories on the triumphs and tribulations of dadding I'm Sam, dad to three boys, Sonny, Van and Otis. And I'm Tom, dad to three girls, Bella, Etty and Maeve. Settle in for a listen, with or without your dad focals on, and enjoy. Remember, if you have any questions, suggestions or want to discuss any triggers, you can reach us at dadfocals on the socials and dadfocals at gmail.com on the email. The links are in the show notes. Let the games begin. We have such a strong family bond. I think it's a lot of different things that ultimately contribute to what our families share, but what, come, what came to mind was, it's no surprise that, like every other person, dad is not a perfect man. But what he certainly is, is a man who is full of love and most importantly, a safe place to share the hard and hurtful things with. He will always take responsibility for his actions and as a result, that makes him a really safe person to do life with and means we share a really strong relationship. He's a pretty special man. So I was having a chat with your beautiful daughter, Hannah, oh, at the gym yesterday. Sounds a lot like Hannah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I, look, I didn't ask for anything, but she, as you know, it's no surprise to anyone that knows Hannah. And actually, before I keep going, shout out to who I call HB, because she is probably arguably our biggest fan at Dad Focals. And when Tom and I started the podcast, a 23-year-old single 
woman with no kids probably wasn't the demographic we thought that we would be appealing to. But Hannah has been our biggest fan um, from day one. And she always sends me a text or gives me a call to talk about the episode. So Hannah, she's been waiting for a shout out, but you're a gem. Thank you, Hannah. Um, Love it. Yeah. So, um, so Glenn, I was having a chat to Hannah yesterday at the gym off the cuff and talking about the Watson tribe. And then I got that text message through last night. And I just think that is a pretty good summary um, of why I wanted to get you onto the podcast. Um, so in the way of introductions, I, st- I met Glenn. So Glenn is a, uh, uh, um, a fellow CrossFitter with myself and Tom and a lot of the listeners. And um, Glenn and I started, we, we connected in 2019 at the gym. And then during COVID, we worked out that we were neighbours. Glenn, the Watsons live a couple hundred metres up the road from, from us. And during that time, uh, Glenn and because we couldn't do a whole heap, but Glenn and I started going for a walk once a week. And we would solve the world's problems, um, but we, um, as everyone could imagine, the conversations went quite deep and, and, I, and I learned a lot. Um, but one day, Glenn invited me up for a coffee. It was morning. And it's the first time I, I hadn't met any of Glenn's your family yet. And um, so I went in for a coffee and Leanne, Glenn's beautiful wife, was doing her thing, running the household. Um, Kai, who was six, he's 18 now, he'd have been 16, 15, 16 at the time. He comes and sits down with us as confident as anything, starts telling me about his, uh, his invention, you know, the bag that he, he invented this thing and he, he was talking about patenting it. And then he talks to me about his other side hustle, which is a car washing business. And then he sort of trots off and does his thing. And then Lani comes and sits down and Lani's 14 at the time. And I'm just like blown away from the conversation. I've never spoke, I've, yeah, though the w- most wise um, and mature 14 year old I think you would ever come across, well, certainly in my experience. Um, and then I had to actually get Lani to, during the conversation, Lani, can you please remind me how old you are? Because it felt like I was talking to, you know, any one of my peers. Um, and then, so we, we, we wound up the, the coffee and I, you know, went walking down the hill and I walk into the door and Mel's been wrangling the boys and she's pregnant with Otis. I walk in on cloud nine just, <laughs> and Mel's going, what have they put in your coffee? But I, I, what just struck me glenn and i think i would have shared this story with you before but not only i mean yes you've got a beautiful house but the home as soon as you walk into the watson's home there's this just feeling of love uh respect warmth um but what really hit me that day was the relationships that you share with with leanne for a start the relationship that you share with and hannah wasn't there hannah moved out quite young but that but the relationship I could see between Kai and yourself, Lani and yourself, but also the relationship that the kids have with each other, it, it just changed because I, I was under the belief that every teenager hates their parents and all parents hate their teenage kids. And it just completely changed. It was a paradigm shift for me in, mm. you know, in an hour and a half. And then if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm telling Mel all about this. She thinks I'm high on something because I'm on cloud nine. And then I'm like, there's got to be cracks. There's got to be cracks. Like this is the first time I've met this family. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go back next time, and Glenn's gonna be swearing, or you know, the kids are gonna be. And I, my family, off the back of that, you know, our families have become really, really close. Um, I would consider the Watsons as our extended family. Um, and 
no, like no, every family has their issues and no one's perfect. No family's perfect. No person is perfect. No relationship's perfect. But uh, I'm just being blown away time and time again. And I've learned so much from you, but also from, from your family. So the reason I wanted to get you on the podcast and, you know, as humble as you are and Glenn's like, well, why do you want me on the podcast? What am I going to talk about? Our generation, so we're, I would say, a life stage behind you, Glenn. You know, our kids are just going into school. Your yep. kids, so so Hannah's 23. Kai's just finished up year 12. Lani's going into year 12. You're at that next stage where your kids are sort of finishing school and leaving the nest. And for, for parents in our stage of life, Tom and I, what you have created, you and Leanne, what you have created with your family unit is what we're striving for. You know, I think in, in maybe in times go past or in different cultures, the success of a child is academic outcomes at school or how good they are at sport. But what I know that Tom and I are striving for is relationship with our kids and, and help, helping to foster well-rounded people. Um, and, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I can't, yeah, but, but you guys are an absolute... Um, image of what I think a lot of parents are striving for these days. So there we go. There's an introduction for you. A, Welcome, Glenn. Yeah, like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. You got the right Glenn in there. <laughs> but, no. but where we want to start, Glenn, so that so for all the listeners, that's a bit of background. Um, and Glenn, what I would like to do is just hand it over to you, as we always do. And, you know, where you can start wherever you want. But what I would love to hear about is 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 a bit about your upbringing, whether you want to start there or sure, get to it at sure, some point. Sure. Yeah, no, well, thanks. Thanks for the intro. And um, yeah, I would right off the bat say, you know, yeah, I am really proud of our family. I would also say it is 100% a team effort. And you alluded to that already. But, um, but you know, I'm married. We celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary earlier this month. And... Leanne, my wife, is definitely a big part of the success of our family, as are the kids. You know, they're big contributors to the culture of our home. But, um, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely a team, a team effort. A um, little bit about me: I grew up in the eastern suburbs. Um, my uh, mum didn't work. My dad was uh, a bit of a frustrated entrepreneur, but he also was um, a pastor of a church. So I grew up, you know, in a in a in a home, a really loving home, where um, my dad had quite a lot of time, probably compared to uh, you know other parents in his stage. I remember him being home quite often. Um, yeah, and and you know, due to the, the the career path he took, you know, we didn't have a lot of a lot of funds in the home, and so um, I guess experiences and time were the things that were valued. Um, we he he as I said he's a bit of a frustrated entrepreneur because on the side he had a few side hustles that ended up being quite significant. So he got into uh, supermarket cleaning, uh, got into that and and had quite a reasonably you know had sixty odd people working for him you know in this side hustle. Um, that branched out into a few other different types of cleaning. He then got into um, uh, farming and feedlotting and composting and a whole bunch of different things over his time. But somewhere in the mix of things, he um, he invented this little holder that goes in the window of a car and he was buying and, and you put a flag in this holder and the whole idea was you'd go to the footy game, you'd instead of putting your scarf out the, the window, you'd put your flag out the window and you'd take the flag out um, and wave it at the game and then put it back in this little car holder that went in the window of your car 
and basically he was buying these flags from a, a place um, and realised the money was in the flags, not the holders. I was, um, yeah, like I said, grew up um, very much, you know, in a, in a loving home. Um, sports in our home were um, not a big thing. And so I sort of got into, through some friendship circles, got into water sports and, and, and ultimately into sailing, which my, my dad also got into, and um, got right into that, right into competitive sailing. And that was really all I, all I was interested in. So when I was at Kai's stage of life that he's at right now, I just, you know, I had the Olympics in mind. That's what I wanted to do and go sailing. And so um, was looking for a career path that would allow me to have the flexibility to do the kind of training I wanted. And my dad taps me on the shoulder after a few failed career attempts. I left school actually at the end of year 11, moved up to Bendigo to start a boat building apprenticeship. Um, loved boat building, didn't love Bendigo. Um, <laughs> so that didn't last long. Came back, did year 12, did landscape gardening, loved landscape gardening. Um, it was right in the days of Jeff Kennett and, uh, and enterprise bargaining. And this guy kept on saying, I'm going to pay you, I'm going to pay you, and never paid me. My dad's like, hey... I think we need to do something here. So he said, why don't you come and work for me and make these flags that he's currently buying off someone else and, um, and, and see if you like that. And so I did. Um, and basically, you know, Dad got involved, I guess, um, in other projects over a you know, two or three year um, period. And after about three or four years, he, he, you know, he handed the business over to me and said, look, you know, you've been running it. Um, I was, when I say running it, I had a sign on the door that said 8 a.m. to 20 knots. As soon as it was windy, I was out the door, <laughs> either on a windsurfer or, 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 on a, or on a boat. And so very much was, um, yeah, not taking that whole thing particularly seriously. Um, in that season, I met Leanne. Um, and right about that time, in fact, right at the time that Dad had handed over the business was when I met Leanne. And, uh, and, you know, we, we had a very short, we only uh, went out for nine months, we were then engaged for nine months. So we were between zero to hero in 18 months, we're married. Um, we had a five year baby plan. Um, that didn't go so well either. Six months into, the, into a marriage, we found ourselves <laughs> pregnant with Hannah. And that was a real, ooh, you know, like holy crap moment cause, um, because Liam was actually the breadwinner of the family. Um, I had this fledgling little startup. Um, was working pretty hard, but um, except for when it was windy. Um, but uh, how but old were you at this point, Glenn? I am. I was straight out of high school into this. So, so I, at this point, I'm 22. So about four years after high school, um, and had met Leanne, and we got married at 23. Um, so pretty young. And found ourselves pregnant. We we had in back in those days it was a bit easier to, to, to buy a house, and so we we'd, we'd we'd hooked in and bought our first house, but really on the back of Leanne's income, not mine. Um, and so all of a sudden we're pregnant, and I'm like, crap, what do we do now? Mm. Um, I remember the moment so well. I remember screen printing. Or that's what we did. I remember sitting at this table screen printing and getting the phone call from Leanne. She was in marketing um, at World Vision at the time, and. Uh, and 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 she's you know hey i'm pregnant and i'm like yeah but are you sure and <laughs> and and we since found out that you know it can lie one way but it never lies the other way the old stick um and so yes yeah, so i just remember it wasn't an exciting moment for me it was not a it was not a oh my gosh this is amazing it was my first reaction was crap what are we going to do um being a dad 
was something that you know I wanted to be at some point, but probably wasn't quite ready for it when it came. Um, and so yeah, so I, I, you know, being a, probably being a bit, um, I think a lot of males are like this, being a bit of a problem solver. Um, just got busier hustling to make money. Got a few, you know, started cleaning some supermarkets in the morning, washing some windows. And saved a bunch of money over that, you know, ensuing six months of pregnancy or what it was, seven months of pregnancy um, to get a little bit of a, a buffer um, so we could manage, you know, without Leanne's income. Um, had Hannah and, you know, I guess we've been really blessed to have, you know, you started off with Hannah, she's continued, all our kids are great, but she's, she's made it very easy to be a dad and to be a mum for Leanne. Um, she started off, you know, just a really easy kid, you know, and, and, and that was a real blessing to us. Um, slept, you know, ate, did all the things babies should do pretty easily, no, no dramas. Leanne had to go back to work, you know, very soon after. I, I can't remember the exact time. But I want to say three months, but maybe it was a bit more than that. Maybe it was six months. Um, it was very soon. And in that season... Um, in that season, it was really frowned upon a little bit, certainly in the social circles we're involved with, it was frowned upon a little bit to go back to work as a working mum. I mean, now it's just the, it's what everyone does. But back then, it's not that long ago, but back then it was sort of like, oh, you're going back to work. Um, but that was our reality. And it really wasn't until, um, you know, we had Hannah and we, we'd basically made the decision we'll be a single child family because... You know that was that was really where, where we where we saw it headed and didn't see another way around it and Leanne hadn't finished pursuing her career path she had a successful career and wanted to continue to do things there um, but it was right about Leanne, uh, Hannah's fourth birthday party that ironically we both um, found ourselves um, Leanne had this bigger than Ben her you know mama guilt birthday party I think you know that was face painting and jumping castles and <laughs> You name it, and um, and I remember seeing a lot of Hannah's friends at the time, and them having siblings, and ironically, on the very same day that it um, connected for me, Leanne was having these same feelings, and at the end of that day, we both said, you know what, I think we need, I think we need to have another child, mm-hmm. and so um, we figured out how that would happen, and uh, not not biologically, but just financially. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so. Uh, yeah, and we we we, we um, unfortunately lost one uh, on the way. Which which segue um, on that? Um, I mean, I could segue for a bit on that, but segue on that. That was in hindsight a much more traumatic event than probably what I realised even at the time. And and I think um, you know, I remember Leanne actually delivered a fetus in our in our bathroom, and I remember taking it to the hospital and going, "What what, what do we do with this? Like, do we yeah. do we bury it? Do we you know?" And it was just, um, I'm pretty sure the lady just took it and chucked it in the bin, you know. And it was just like this, whoa, you know. And it was really it was something that affected us a lot more in hindsight than probably what we realised. Even now, mm. you know, I know when Leanne speaks about it, she'll feel quite emo- emotional. She'll talk about her angel baby. Um, so it's, I think that's a, a just from a society point of view, certainly in those days, I don't know about now, but certainly in those days, I think, um, you know, we were ill-equipped and the system and the people around us probably ill-equipped to, to deal with that. Um, we then tried again, had Kai and then and then Kalani, not long after that, they're quite close in age and um, 
and caught its stumps there. But yeah, that's 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 a bit about bit about me and hey, my upbringing. Glenn, I'm interested. You've told me a bit about your childhood, and mm-hmm. and I think you know I think your words is your parents ran pretty loose. I think I've heard you sort of <laughs> say that before. But what was it like? Um, so it's you and your brother, a couple of years older than you, Anthony. What was it like being raised by a pastor's son? Um, but what did a sort of standard day look like in the Watson household? Oh, probably pretty similar to most people in you know your blue collar eastern suburbs family. We grew up in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. Um, yeah, but I think where it probably where they rolled a little bit loose was um, they're often involved in um, they're a bit of a bit of like the travelling Wilburys. My mum sung. My dad spoke and they were in high demand. And so they would have a lot of weekend appointments and events that were typically, you know, away somewhere, um, in often regional Victoria, interstate, wherever. And at a very early age, um, they left us on our home. My brother and I, they left us on our home to look after ourselves. So I'm thinking probably like 11, I was probably about 11 years old when that started happening. My brother would have been 13. So quite young. And uh, hey, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Um, for some reason, we ended up having three cars rather than two, even though there's only two drivers. Um, and uh, and so there was two free vehicles at home when they left. And so what does a, any self-respecting teenager do? You know, in the wee hours of the morning, goes off for a bit of a drive. I did, we did some stupid things, you know. We had a motorbike and we had we, we did some... I'm, I'm, a lo- I'm lucky to be alive, I'm sure. Mm. Um, and it wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't tell all the stories because probably, uh, yeah. <laughs> probably don't want to encourage anything, Sunny. I don't want, I don't Especially encourage Sunny. Sunny, if listening. he's listening, <laughs> Sunny, go to sleep. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so yeah, look, I think, I think probably what when when I say loose, I, I think what um, my dad was one of seven boys. He was the sixth of seven boys, and and so by that stage, you know, like. The, the kids are looking after the kids. Mm. And so his paradigm of parenting was, was by today's standards, probably pretty loose. Um, but the good bit about that is it also it gave a lot of um, responsibility to you. And so his expectation was, you know, well, I mean, he, he left home at 14, you know, um, got kicked out of school and went off farming and working at 14. So that's his paradigm. And so, you know, he would... He would um, operate and parent out of that paradigm, and so you know we would certainly have, um, um, yeah, be allowed to do things that probably a lot of my other mates weren't able to do, um, and and you know for that worked reasonably okay for us. I think I don't think you know we no one died, but uh, I I definitely parented a little bit differently. Not because I think that was wrong per se. It's just different to you know how Leanne and I parent. How did your relationship grow and shape, Glenn, working with your dad as well? My dad was my best mate. Like, like you know, we've got a really good relationship, and you know, like all parent son, like all parent child relationships, we've had ebbs and flows. You know, we've had some seasons where you know we've had some struggle times, but certainly in those days, probably to some extent, almost in an unhealthy way. I had not 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 from him to me, but from me to him. I idolised my dad, and I remember, speci- I really craved his um, approval. And so I, 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 he knows his story, and and um, I remember um, I remember quite often when I'd be working hard. My dad has a very strong work ethic, and so he would work really hard, and and not necessarily do things the smartest way. If there was a you know a brick wall between 
here and where he had to go rather than walk around it he'd probably just plow through it you know but but so it's, but but always had that really you know had a belief that you know if you work hard enough for something you'll you'll be able to achieve it and so that was his um that's the paradigm i grew up with and so i remember in the when i would stay back at work and 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 this is my own business now at this point he'd handed it over and i was a young dad and um and and i guess really you know robbing time of of my young family to be at work late but I would make sure quite often I'd find a way to ring my dad find an excuse to give him a call and just check in on him and I knew he'd ask what am I up to and I'd say oh I'm just at work you know and because for me I knew that well it's crazy in hindsight because my dad would love me and had proved me regardless if I was sitting on a couch watching tv but but having said that that was you know I wanted I wanted to be seen as a hard worker Mm. by him um, so yeah, yeah, but we've had, we've we've got a really good, a really strong relationship. I think my, my my dad and I. Yeah, and you obviously were fairly young in today's relative standards when you when you had Hannah. Yeah. Um, and you've spoken a bit, obviously, about how you how you felt at that exact moment with with hindsight, and I'm I'm guessing you're going to say you wouldn't change anything, but you would you be saying to a 22 23 year old hey just just well, what would you say to a 22 year old guy who fell pregnant today and, and is thinking oh crap how are we going to make this happen well if they're full and pregnant the show's over so it's like, so it's <laughs> too, like late. It's too late <laughs> and so I'd, I'd 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 encourage them and i'd equip them you know with whatever i could to to help them through what will be a challenging season but i don't know if it's any less challenging when you when you you know I've, my brother-in-law and sister have just had a their first child and my sister's in her early 40s and um you know your body um it's harder to be a parent and you've still got the same stuff you got to deal with right you know the the nappies the the sleeping the waking up in the middle of the night um you know you are equipped to be able to do that better when you're younger there's no doubt about it um so look i think you know, if 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 you're if you're bringing up any child, if you've got a, a committed um, life partner, um, you know, I think age is less of the issue. I think it's more about who you're doing this journey with and what sort of home you bring them up in. And you know, age can become less of an obstacle. Um, but if I was talking to a 22-year-old that was thinking about having a child, I'd probably just you know, I'd be asking them some questions. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, Glenna, you have, um, you've spoken about this business that you've been running for, what? Tw- 30 years. 30 years now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's it's successful in a whole raft of different measures. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I've been, what I'm really impressed by, the way that you've been able to effectively build a business from scratch, um, but still, so it's a very general statement, um, men could maybe put a heap of energy into career and business and leave the family stuff, you know, secondary Mm. or the other way around. They might not have any, you know, drive to build a career or or business and and all their focus, all their energy goes on relationship and family. That's a very general rule. Mm. Um, But from what I've seen, you've been able to do both really, really well. Um, How how have you done that? What's, yeah, what's your secret there? (laughs) I think, you know, it's a big question. There's probably lots of, there's no silver bullet to that answer. There's no one thing. Um, you know, I think for sure a big part of it is having um, a partner in Leanne that enables me to focus on, we, we've got different focuses in our in our relationship. 
her focus is more home-based these days. It didn't, it wasn't for a long time. She was working as well. But even in her working life, she was able to have a bigger emphasis on the home and the family and the kids than, than, than I was, which allowed me to have a bigger focus on the work um, side of the equation. So certainly that'd be a big part of it. Um, definitely a team there. Um, I think, I think, you know, ultimately, um, yeah, it's a complicated answer to your question. I think, I think ultimately, you know, there, there were some events in our life that basically had us question what we were doing, what we we're doing for. So I, the person that you know today is not the person I've always been. You know, if you'd met me in my 20s, you would have said, mate, that guy is so friggin' ambitious and so he's a workaholic and he works his butt off and, you know, and yes, he makes time for his kids, um, but not as much as time as he makes for them today. Um, I think, you know, I think it's probably a bit of a natural evolution growing up as a guy is, you know, you do, as you get older, you start to question, you know, perhaps some of your motivations and what you're doing some of these things for. Um, and there's been a number of things that have occurred in our life um, to do that, but probably one of the ones that um, speaks into um, you know some of the the, the time work-life balance stuff is I remember Leanne's uncle, who we were really quite close to, died really suddenly, like very suddenly, of a stroke, and um, we'd just been with him for dinner the night before, um, and he um, yeah we 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 it, that was a bit of a shock to the system for for obviously his two sons and, um, and his wife. But for, um, for, for us, it was probably a little bit of a reminder of, you know, we're not here forever. And there's some things on our bucket list that, you know, we'd really like to do. And um, so why don't we just get about doing them? And, you know, often when you look at the reasons why you can't do something, um, those, the, the real reasons, if you actually start to unpick, I'm a bit of a problem solver, and if you start to unpick, pick the problems it's like well actually can you not do them you know like what would you need to do to fix that problem what would you need to remove that obstacle mm. and so we got busy removing some obstacles and um and 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 that allowed for us to take some you know some seasons with the kids you know outside of work and um that were really special mm. you, you talk about seasons mm. i really I, I like what I think you, you mean by that. Mm. Can you just explain what, what you, you do mean by that? Yeah, I probably actually I probably better go back a notch first because we didn't suddenly go to these seasons. We took we took the kids out of school a couple of times for three and four months at a time. Um, so I'll, I'll just rewind a bit though. I think you know you right back at the start of the question it was like you know how have we created this family unit and and I think intentionality is one of the big things. I think if I was to answer the, the seasons question, that, that you know, we've, we've taken our kids out of school for three or four months at a time, a couple of times now, but I guess if I go back a bit, it's, it didn't just suddenly come to that. It came from a, a place of intentionality. And I think, you know, I actually think that is probably one of the most significant things we've done in our kids. And, and hear me when I say, I, don't, I did not sit here as some expert. I appreciate you've been very kind with your words and I, I am really proud of our family. So I also appreciate we've got a, we've got a great relationship. Absolutely. Um, very blessed in that sense. But I don't I don't stand here as an expert on, on any of this. But but for what it's worth, you know, some things that we did that seemed to have worked for us. Um, we've been really quite intentional with a few different things. So some of those things, are, um, I've 
taken the kids, um, even even now a little bit, not so much now, but um, I've always taken them on, on daddy dates. So once every month, so every th- three kids, so every three months, someone was getting a daddy date. And it would be my opportunity to pick them up from school early. We started this in primary school and go to something that was going to be really meaningful to them. It might be, you know, not, we're not talking big things, like probably the biggest thing I did was a hot springs visit, you know, but typically it's an ice cream or a you know, whatever, like a skate park for Kai or whatever, you know, it was just some one-on-one time with dad. Um, so that's, that was, you know, a place of intentionality around that. We've also, um, as I said, we've, 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 we've created these journals. And so right from when the kids were born, uh, it's, these are more of a dad thing, Leon, um, it's been more of something I've done. Um, I've written a journal for the kids and, and, and basically every year would put, you know, one or two entries into them and just speaking life into them, seeing the things that I see in them, seeing the way they've grown, making note of some of the events that have taken place in that year, which is always a bit of fun looking back on. Um, and yeah, if our house was burning down, they would be the first things I would go grab is those journals, as would the kids, because now the kids are old enough where I actually let them read them as well. So I, w- I was in when I started them, I was going to stop at eighteen, but it's like they're like, no, don't stop it. <laughs> so so I keep I keep writing. What, them. what age did you give them the journals? I let them start reading them. Um, it's probably all about, to be honest, about the same time. So they're all different ages. It was probably yeah. when Hannah was about 18. Yeah. But Kai and Lani were like 13, 14, so, um, or 12, 13, yeah. So, so um, yeah, and, and you know, I think, um, yeah, they're, they're special spe- special things. So, so that's some of the intentional things we've done. But then uh, due to um, that, a death, death in the family, um, that happened quite suddenly, we, we, we started to, I guess, think, well, there's some other things we'd really like mm-hmm. to do. And are we going to just wait for that one day or are we going to have a crack at doing them? And so um, back in 2014, um, we took our kids out of school and we bought a yacht over in the Mediterranean and we spent four months cruising around the Med, which was very hard to handle, as you could imagine. <laughs> um, love that. But just that actually, I, I actually believe, and, and hey, for us it was sailing a boat. I say this all the time to people that are thinking about this sort of stuff. Some other people might be doing a lap around Australia or whatever. But it, I would say if you can make something like that happen, it will be one of the best investments you'll make in your family. Because for us, it certainly was. And we've talked to other people that have done the same. And it's just, you know, it, it, it creates a reset. It created a glue. It created a, a situation where the only friends you had were the people you were doing that trip with. And, um, yeah, just very special time, very special memories. Um, we backed it up again a couple of years ago and did it again over in the Met again. Um, and, and along the way, I've done... You know, we're pretty good at a holiday. You know, we've done a few a few trips um, and tried to include the kids in those. And, um, you know, that's been one of the ways I think we've been intentional is mm. to travel and do things with them. How old were the kids, Glenn, when you when you first did that in the med? The med, they were grade three, grade four and year nine. Yeah. So we saw, uh, as an, or maybe year 10, sorry, maybe year 10. It was, um, it w- we saw Hannah being really the, the line in the sense like you're about to go into VCE. So this is probably our window. Let's have a crack now. Um, the school were fantastic. They, I mean, to be honest, what amazed me, particularly with the, with Kai and Kalani, who were in grade three and four respectively, we went and met with the school, and you know we're waiting for this big download of the curriculum, and you know like we've got our notepads, and you know like let's hit us, and they show us the curriculum, and I was just like, 
wow, like what are we going to do week two? Because that <laughs> there is just like school is largely a socially based thing. And these days, what you find, and even back then, it was the same as well. But the schools are really supportive of this because they recognise that what a kid picks up. I mean, I remember taking our kids walking through ancient Greece, um, the Delos ruins, you know, and it's like history lesson tick. You know, yeah, we've yeah. done it, and yeah. for them. You know, they've seen it, they've touched it. It's going to be way more meaningful than any textbook. Um, so I think, you know, if you particularly in primary school, there is just so much, um, it's, it's so easy to fill in the curriculum mandates, and I'm no teacher, but, but, um, but it was very easy to hit the metrics they wanted, and then we were able to add our own to those. So um, Yeah, yeah my, my wife and I talk a lot about doing the same thing. Like, same as you, we don't want to wait forever to do it yep. and never do it um there's a couple of trade-offs it's uh, when they remember yeah when they have that that memory and obviously they're always going to have a nice feeling around traveling which is important whether they remember the detail or not mm. um there's obviously the age of they are at school and um what what they're going through at that point and then it's the length of the the trip yep. how did that four months feel feel to you in terms of time out of school especially for hannah and time together to take that reset as you mentioned mm. um away from work as well away from yeah. business for, for yeah. you and for Leanne I remember for myself I remember I was uh, with the four month one I was I was ready to come home like I felt like right eh? I'm, I'm I was I was energized I was you know what are we 2014 so I'd been sort of probably 20 years nearly into doing what I did so it was my first sort of real big reset moment um and yeah I was but I was ready to ready to get back into things um, I think the kids and Leanne could have kept rolling. Like it was just, it was just, it was, you know, mum and dad were around. We were seeing, it was different every day. We we're in different places every day. Um, we we're having a ball. So yeah. yeah, I think if you've got the opportunity, I think it's a really good point that you raise around being old enough because I think you, you want to be able to remember these moments. And so, you know, certainly our kids in grade three and four very much, you know, remember that, that, that trip. Um, obviously Hannah, year 10, definitely, um, yeah, special time. Hey Glenn, I just want to circle back to the journals. Mm. Um, so one thing that you have done, you and Leanne, um, and it's, and you know, I'm probably desensitized to it now because I've spent so much time with the family, but you guys are just so open with your kids. And I think the journal is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Like if I, I haven't read the journal, but I could nearly imagine the kind of stuff that would be in there. Mm. <clears throat> you know, we talk a lot on here and, 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 a, and a big part of this podcast is to get men in particular opening up and actually telling their loved ones how they actually feel yeah. um, when things are going well, but also when things aren't going so well. Mm. Um, is that openness that you and Leanne have with your kids, is that like, where has, where do you think that's come from? Hmm. Oh, I mean, so, so, lots of different places but i think um i think what the, our kids have grown up so we grew up so so i mentioned my dad is pastor of a church our kids have grown up in in church as well and been surrounded by um adults having adult conversations and we've never sort of tried to protect them from that we've never um we've never tried to go oh this is an adult conversation obviously there's certain conversations that are inappropriate to have around them but largely speaking we haven't you know it's like they're, they're involved with those conversations and so some of those conversations you know will certainly be um speaking in from a place of vulnerability and certainly when i write in those journals today um 
I'm, I'm, it's interesting even reading the journals and seeing how I've changed. In the early days, I wasn't really talking about that sort of stuff. Today, I'll, as I write my journals, I'll be telling them the stuff, some of the stuff I'm struggling with, you know, which maybe just for me, my place of connection with them is more as adults that I would talk about that naturally with them, some of the things I'm, 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 cha- I'm challenged with. Certainly, you know, COVID for us was a really challenging time, you know, mm. for our business and for just, you know, probably like it was for everyone. And so I'm sharing some of these things that, you know, that are, that are, that are a struggle. So, um, yeah, what was the question? It was, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but where, where, um, yeah, where did this openness, I mean, you've, you've touched on the faith piece. Is yeah. that, I mean, that, that certainly, cause I've been to, yeah. to, you know, some of the services and certainly encourages opening up and talking, um, the question was, where does the, you know, where did this come from? Because I think it goes against the grain a lot to be so open with your kids, you know, because mm. I think a lot of dads try and be stoic and try and be Superman. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, you and Leanne, yeah. so open. Yeah, I think, I think um, our family paradigm, so our family mm. paradigm, we both come from, you know, a family. My, my Leanne's parents are still together. My parents are still together. Um, Leanne's mum's Italian. Um, uh, the Italians, I think a lot of Europeans um, do um, share a lot, you know, that it's, it's, um, it's a very sharing family environment. And so that's your paradigm that we brought into our family unit. Um, but yeah, I think also just, you know, contextually, our kids are, you know, we, we as part of, you know, a faith community of people would speak really openly about various things we're going through. And, um, and definitely that would... Um, you know, that would rub off on the kids for sure. They're used to that. They're used to doing that themselves. And so that sits naturally. I would say, um, I think one of the things just on that, that, um, you know, back to one of the questions around that family unit, one of the things we've been really intentional around is doing um, meals together each night. So we, every night, um, have always sat down and eaten together. Um, for the kids when they were super, super young and getting looked after at creche, they had to eat before I would get home. So they would, but they would still sit down and have their dessert, for example, when Leanne and I had, had, had a meal together. And, and certainly these days with them being a bit older, you know, that, that to me feels quite normal. But when I speak to the kids, um, you know, Kalani was just talking about it the other day. She goes, that's so abnormal. Like she goes and stays at friends' houses and it's just like they'll go sit in front of the TV or whatever. But that becomes this daily connection i think it's something about food just you know in general with people over we love having people over and 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 foods are i don't know like a a, a truth serum or something but um but you know just it, it helps i think helps I, with conversation i need to interject i think bubbles is a true serum <laughs> and, and leanne's ability to yeah. to leanne's got this incredible knack of when you're not looking filling topping up your glass so yes. you walk out of the watson's house thinking you've only had two glasses of bubbles but you <laughs> no, not true yes no, she does love her bubbles yeah yes, that's why she's so effervescent um, <laughs> yeah no, no i think that, that maybe the italian heritage there and to go to be serious to go back to glenn's point about food and Mm. that mediterranean kind of spirit that everything does center around food and Mm. and food is not just something you have to do it's an experience to sit around Mm. and to talk and Mm. to spend time together and i I think that's really beautiful and something that i think both sam and i um with our respective families hold really important as well Mm. that that meal time and that meal time conversation Mm. yeah Um, massively yeah but you've also got the benefit of having an amazing cook in I Leanne. Do, Leanne, I, I tell you, you need to get yourself to a Watson dinner, She's, Tommy. It's an experience. She is next level. She <laughs> and, is next level. Um, 
Glenno, one of the things that um, that Hannah mentioned when we we're having this off the cuff chat just yesterday, um, she mentioned that she has multiple um, positive male figures in her life. Mm-hmm. And when she said it, and she was talking to, it was me and Hannah and Dan, Dan Steele. Um, shout out Dan, if you're listening. But Dan and I were both sort of taken aback by that because we found that to be, we don't, you know, we both agreed that we doubt there's many 23-year-old women that have strong relationships with male um, figures in, mm. in their life. I don't know if she said father, father-like figures, but certainly strong, positive male role models. Yeah. And just when you're talking then, I, I think that, I mean, again, coming back to the community that you've built for your family and for the kids, it's mm. just it's just so awesome, right? Mm. That that And that obviously has had a big impact on Hannah, but no doubt with Kai and Lani coming through as well, just being used to spending time with adults and, 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 and men as well mm. Mm. in a positive way. Yeah, definitely. And I'm sure she would have used the words father figure. I think I've heard her say that before and I could mm. think of some of those people. I'm sure she'd include even you in that, Sam. Like, not even maybe, you. Maybe uncle but, but, or, uh, or big cousin. But, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, like, mm. there are, you know, it takes a village. You've, you hear that a bunch of times and we're mm. big believers of it takes a village. And, you know, we're probably pretty selective of, of who those people are that, you know, where we can be, you know, who those people are that get to speak into the lives of our kids. Um, you know, we do have some really good people around us, I think, generally, that um, that really help with that. Um, and I'm really glad that Hannah has got more than me as a as a male, you know, positive figure in her life. To And same for Kai and Kalani. I, there are certain things that, you know, Kai's at an age, you know, 18, you know, where, um, you know... I think I remember going through it where where there's a mix between I know better than dad and I'm I, I need my dad, you know, and um, I'm really grateful in those moments where he knows better than dad that there's other people that I, I just go, I'm, I'm just going to get, I'm not going to be able to get through in this moment. This mm. is not a moment that I'm going to be able to speak into, but I know there's other people that will, mm. you know, and that's great. That's fantastic. Mm. That's the village. Yeah. Was that intentional, Glenn? Did you did you and Leanne ever sort of think about that or discuss it, or is it just part of your nature that you want people around, whether it's whether you're socialising or, or, or whether you're at the gym or, or any one of your other communities that you wanted people and you sort of alluded to it being slightly selective, yeah. um, people around your kids. I think I think this is probably you know um, maybe where you lose some listeners. I don't know, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think I think this is you know we talk about the community and we talk about positive environments and you know we have a number of those but it would be disingenuous for me to speak here without making a big reference to i guess that church faith community that our kids have grown up with which i very much believe has impacted them us um, the way i parent in a in a massive way um and so you know that i think um has been a huge contributor to the way that I would parent our kids and to the environment and the culture that they've grown up in. Um, you know, I think, you know, we talked about intentionality before, but, you know, if, if I was sitting here listening to this and I just went, I'm going to be, I'm going to be more intentional with my kids. I'm going to, I'm going to go be more intentional. 
I feel like that's a bit like saying I'm going to go lose some weight, you know, and somewhere the rubber's got to hit the road where it becomes my, um, it becomes more than just a good idea. It comes from the overflow of something. So I think intentionality actually comes from an overflow of love. You know, I think when love is the central family unit, when love is, you know, really what um, guides a home and is central to a home, then then intentionality becomes a fruit of love. Um, and I think growing up in, 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 in the home that I grew up in and growing up in, you know, the, the, the church and, and the community around that, the whole premise of the Christian faith is love, like God is love, right? You know, and so, and I think, you know, unfortunately what's happened, my, this is my take on this, and hopefully I don't ramble on too much about this, but, but um, my take on this is uh, there's a lot of people that have, um, because the church is made up of people, have thrown the baby out with the bathwater because their experience of the faith was through people that have failed them. And I mean, to be that's been my story as well in some respects. You know, my dad was actually a pastor of church, but he got kicked out of that church. And a lot of the people that he uh, ended up, um, or a lot of my mates, a lot of my friendship circle, this happened when I was about, you know, my late teens, um, you know, they went, well, if that's the church, the church can go stick it. And that probably got good, every good reason. I've got no, you know, no, no, um, no qualms with them because they had very good reason for that. It's a fair enough response. Um, I think, you know, a bit like, you know, um, you know, when your kids grow up believing in Santa Claus, um, is Santa Claus real or not? Well, eventually the rubber's got to hit the road for you in some way. And I guess I was lucky enough. And it actually ties in really nicely with, you know, the whole dad focus of this. I, I grew up in the church, but I didn't really have a real, my own genuine experience until much later in life. And so, you know, I grew up in it. I, it was a bit, it was, it was, to some extent, it was a bit like Santa Claus. It was like, you know, is he real or not? Well, my mum and dad say it's real, so it must be real. You know, and I had some other experiences along the way that made me believe it was, but but ultimately, I think my biggest moment of that was actually actually a dad moment. It was when I was a brand new dad, and um, the business that we were talking about before was was in big trouble financially. Um, we were in all sorts of. Um, I'd made some decisions on the back of that moment when I said to you we were taking it pretty cruisy, 8 a.m. to 20 nights. Hannah was born. It's like right, I got to pull my finger out of my jacksie here. I've got to go make some money. In the process of trying to go make some money, made some big mistakes and in that nearly lost the business. And um, one of the things I really hated about that season of life was when people would ring me and I'd owe them money and I couldn't pay them. I didn't have the money. And at the time, I'm the receptionist, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the everything, I'm the guy on the floor. I'm, so I couldn't escape the phone calls. So I remember getting this phone call one day um, and this is, um, yeah, getting a phone call one day and I don't remember who it was, but I need to pay them some money. And I didn't have it and I just broke down. And I remember jumping in my car, driving away. I don't remember much about the drive. I just remember landing. We're only about 10 minutes away from the factory where we lived. I remember sitting in my driveway, just bawling my eyes out, just going, I'm done. Like, I can't do this. And, uh, and so I think in desperation, you go to the places that, you know, that, that are, um, well, you, you, you go to different places when you're desperate. Um, and, and I remember at the time as I'm driving and as I'm sitting there in that driveway, I'm listening to this interview on the radio. Um, 
and this interview on the radio was 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 a guy interviewing a guy called Bruce Wilkinson who'd written a book called the Jabez Prayer. And the Jabez Prayer is a book about um, a guy in the Bible who says, "Hey God, will you just bless me? Will you enlarge my territory?" And he was talking to this interviewee or the interviewer, and he was saying, "Imagine if your if you as a son came to your dad and said, "Hey, I just want you to give me my your blessing," you know. And as a new dad of Hannah, she's only one years old. That just connected with me in a way that I had not had had you know just was new. It was new. It was fresh. It was very live and raw. It's like I am a dad. If Hannah wanted, if, if there was nothing I would not do for her. If Hannah wanted my blessing, I would give her everything I had because what wouldn't I give for my you know for my daughter? And this guy's explaining that and going, well, that's exactly what it's like with your heavenly dad, with God. You know, he would just, he would love to bless you. And I remember sitting in that driveway that day going, all right, God, I'm done doing this my way. I want to do it your way. And made a bit of a bargain, which maybe it's not maybe quite appropriate. <laughs> I said, you know, if, uh, if, if you decide to, to pull me out of the poo here, then uh, I just want to make my life around honoring you and stewarding, you know, whether it be finance or, or, or just, you know, bringing you into places that... Um, are not and particularly around business and, and with the business I had and I think we've you know that's and, and, and for whatever reason or not for whatever reason for I believe because of that for nothing that I'd done differently no practical thing I had changed our business the next month I would look at the numbers every at the end of every month and we made a little bit of a profit it's like okay and the next month a little bit more and then the next month a little bit more and at the end of that year we we're able to actually give some money away um, and ironically I, we gave it to a really good mate of mine who I grew up with and he went and started a business that went on to be way bigger than our business and sort of loved it. That was part of the story as well. But um, Does he know that you've got shares in that company? I, I, I have mentioned it. I have mentioned it that uh, it was equity, but yeah. uh, no, nah, he's been very generous as I say over the years too. So. What an incredible story, Glenn. Thank, thanks for sharing and we'll make sure Sonny doesn't listen to the part about Santa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is watching and you have to be a good boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but what what I'm interested in, um, and Sam's told me a little bit about about your church. If we don't yeah. mind going back to that, yeah, go for it. But um, just that you don't do church in what I would consider as a non-religious person the conventional yeah. way. Yeah. Um, can you yeah. just tell us a little about the church that you've created, and and yeah. it, obviously with a dad focus lens on what that means for your sure, kids? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, the first thing I'd say, I remember Sammy asking me, you know, are you religious? And I said, I hope not, because 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 you know, it's funny, like. I think, unfortunately, and, and this has been, this is a quite a generalised statement, but I think, you know, the church, as it's in its iterations in many instances, has really let down um, the people that attend it, you know, and it is actually quite misrepresentative of what it's based on, which is the Bible, right? So if you go back to the Bible, you know, Jesus was the dude who was completely anti-religion, and his biggest issue and biggest gripe was with the religious leaders of the time. And the thing that he loved doing was hanging out with all the people that they didn't want to hang out with. So it's like, I feel like, yeah, so I feel like, you know, some of our paradigm of churches is a bit skewed for good reason because, you know, I think, um, you know, unfortunately um, the church is full of a lot of failed people and, and I'm one of them, but, but you know. Um, but to answer your question, um, around um what was the question again <laughs> just to explain your church and what you've oh, created, right. created. Okay. yeah okay so i again i'm not saying we're the perfect picture of church but i think what we have done a pretty good job of is focusing on 
that relationship piece with God as opposed to religion. And so, you know, um, you know, and how does that extend into our parenting and to our kids is, you know, our kids believe that they are loved. And they, they believe that they're loved by a mum and a dad, but they believe that that is the overflow of our hearts that comes from a love from God, really. Mm. You know, and so the people that they interact with within that church would also agree with that and they would also experience that. And so I know that the people, you know, we've got some really good friends in our life and, you know, Sammy, G and Mel would be some of those. And I know that they genuinely love our kids. Outside of um, special friendships like that, it's like, how do I trust people are going to contribute in a way that's not self-focused but it's actually coming from a place of love well i trust that in the in the people that they hang out with through our our church community and um you know there's people that you know would would do anything for for our kids and mm. i think growing up in an environment whether it be a church environment or whether a home environment where a kid feels love i think it's just so central um to you know, healthy homes and healthy upbringings. And I think so much of our actions, you know, are an overflow or healthy families experience an overflow of love. And that's what feeds into, you know, their responses in many situations. I think discipline at times is yeah. an overflow of love. Yeah. You know, knowing that I don't want my kid to grow up to be a, you know, a little entitled schmuck. Yeah. Um, you know, then I'm going to make sure that out of love, I'm going to, in the moments and the times that I've got an opportunity to mould them and mould who they're going to be, then I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do that out of love. Yeah. But I'm also going to, you know, create memorable moments mm. and, you know, family conversations and, you know, intentionality in our home to make sure that they feel loved. Yeah. And am I, am I right in understanding that you actually have the church in your homes with a, with a, a, a small group of people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my, um, we, we mix it up a bit. We have a central location um, that we meet at sort of every other week and then, and then we'll do it in our mm-hmm. homes and, um, and we connect um, with Zoom and other yeah, things, okay. you know, between the homes. And the whole idea of that is, you know, of growing up in, in, in churches, and this wouldn't be true just of churches, it would be for many social situations, it's pretty hard to get past the weather and the footy. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, do you have those real deep conversations? Someone like Sammy does it a bit more naturally, he'll go there. But, you know, if you're going to, not everyone's wired that way. And so how do I create genuine relationship with you where I really feel like I'm, I'm on a journey with, you know, a Tom? Um, well, it, 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 it's not going to happen like that, you know. It's, it's going to happen through walking the road a bit together. Mm. And, and as we walk the road, you know, we'll develop relationship and, and hopefully that allows me to feel like, you know, Hannah mentioned, uh, you know, safety, like feeling like she's in a safe place. I think it's really important. You shouldn't, you don't, it's not, it's not fair to expect someone to share from a real vulnerable place if they don't feel safe in that environment. And so I think what we focus on is, you know, creating, you know, a safe place that where people can share their experiences, the good and the bad of that, um, and be an encouragement um, and a light to them in that. Yeah. And, and have your kids pushed against that? Uh, they've gone through their teenage years yeah pretty much it's a really good question and they surprised me <laughs> no it's a really good question because you know i remember what i was like at that age and you know um i went there i went to church because of the social aspect of it at their age you know we had quite a large youth group um i was involved with a bunch of guys that used to surf a lot and so we'd go surfing and so that was the that was what got me there and so we're a pretty small place they don't have that it's not what gets them there and yet 
you know, amazingly, they, 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 it's very much a part. We're not forcing them to go. Yeah. They, they very much go of their own free will. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm that. I, I guess for me, uh, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a biblical phrase that says, you know, you can tell a tree by its fruit. Um, you know, I think that's for me one of the litmus tests of are we, are we doing okay? It's like, well, you know, the fruit is that they want to be there. That's probably, probably, probably a pretty good fruit. Yeah. <clears throat> Glenna, you mentioned in that about discipline. Yeah. Um, fascinated by, you know, again, I, I think the generation that we're in at the mm. moment, I think in some ways we're scared of disciplining yeah. our, our kids. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys, yeah. Well, tell us how, what did, what did discipline look like in the Watson family? Yeah, well, um, yeah, well, we smack. Um, we smacked, and I know that's a dirty word. Um, we learnt that was a dirty word um, in school because um, we had a really bad experience as a result of Kai mentioning that he was going to get a smack, and they actually the school actually contacted the department of whatever it is, DSE or whatever it is, and we got a call from them. It was like oh, really? a hor- horrible wow. experience before contacting you. Yes, yeah, wow. absolutely, yeah, before, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, the school didn't contact us. It was amazing. Oh. Yeah, so we were, yeah, that was that was pretty pretty poor. Um, situation but having said that we are big believers that kids want boundaries you know I remember um, with Hannah we didn't do this we didn't we weren't aware of this um, knowledge at the time but I know Leanne read a book um, for the other two kids that really impacted her around her parenting it's called baby wise pretty old book now but that's very much around you know the whole structure and boundaries and you know hey I, I'm not an expert it worked for us mm. um, but um, but I, what I do believe, and, and I, I really think this is a real concern for the generation that, you know, that you, your kids are growing up in and, and, and ours as well, just different different touch points with it, um, is this everything is okay mentality. And I know it's not socially acceptable, you know, to, to, to say this. I had a conversation just before here, I was in a meeting before I came here about this where it was about, you know, a certain thing we're going to say on our Christmas cards to our clients. And I was like, oh, you can't say that because you might upset people. And I was like, when did this, the, the, the fact that the majority of the room would be upset to say it this way, you know, they wanted, it was just nothing. It was like happy holidays instead of Merry Christmas. It was like, that's, you can't say Merry Christmas because it might upset someone. Yeah. It's like, well, you know what? Like, it's just that the people that are upset by it are probably a bit noisier than the people that, you know, would love to just leave it as Merry Christmas. Mm. You know, just silly stuff like that. I feel like the the um, the voice of whether it's the minority or not, I'm not sure. But um, and 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 I know even you know statements. I know I can be stereo um, stereotyped just for the fact that I go to church to be put into a certain quadrant of. Oh, of course, you're going to say that, or of course, you're going to think that, and maybe that's fair, maybe that's relevant. But um, but I guess I, I you know coming back to the question around boundaries and 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 discipline. I really think kids want boundaries. Mm. I think they work really well with structure. Mm. Um, I think they feel safe in structure when they know what the rules are. When they know this is my this is my this is my, my square. This is my box. When I go out of that, that's bad. When I stay in it, it's good. Mm. And and I think they respond really well to that mm. structure. And and I think we're at risk of you know um, letting them do whatever and also becoming you know more of the um, parent in the family or a bigger influence than the parent in the family you know that's um, I think one of the other things that we're at risk of you know we Leanne has always said to the kids you know we've got five in our family three kids two of us 
and we'll talk about taking up one fifth, you know, of the of 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 the airplay, and that might be at a you know that w that would have relevance in things like you know sports they want to be a part of or you know various things and and sure there's different seasons where someone has more airplay than the other but generally speaking going all right is this fair for all and mum and I are actually part of that equation mm. and so it's not just all about you know you get all the rights and it's all about making your life good and it's all about getting you to everything that you want to go to it's like no you're a you're a, a both a contributor at that level, but you're also a benefactor at that level. And I think giving kids that opportunity to um, contribute, you know, I think kids can contribute a lot more than we give them um, the opportunity to do. You only have to go to a third world country to see, you know, what kids are having to do at, you know, five, six, seven, eight years old, you know, over there to sort of get a bit of a reality shock. And so, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think there's some big, um, there's going to be some big, after effects, negative effects of that we'll look back on in 10, 20 years as a society culturally and go, gee, I wonder if we'd do that a bit differently mm. um, based on how things are playing out now for our kids, just broadly speaking, generally speaking. Yeah. yeah. Mate, we've had a lot of time. We've, we've spent hours and hours talking over the last couple of years and I haven't heard that one fifth thing. That's one really? thing that there I haven't. Yeah. But I, I really like that. I yeah. really like that. Um, Glenn, one of the things... You know, um, Kai, 18, just finished school, going into an apprenticeship, just an amazing young man. Mm. Um, you know, the thing I love, anyone that is at the gym, Kai comes in, he's about six foot ten, and he walks in and he's just this huge presence, not only big physically, but he's this huge presence and um, looks you in the eye and gives you a big hug and just a bundle of joy, basically. Mm. Um, what breaks my heart is when we've, shared stories where he had a really hard time at school mm. um, and basically was bullied. Mm. Um, and what I, yeah, how, how as you as the dad, how have you, how have you handled that? Um, mm. Yeah, how have you handled that is the question. Yeah, it's, it's, it has been rough for Kai because school hasn't been his friend. Um, and, you know, we've handled it in different ways, I think, you know, like, so obviously we've gone down the official routes where, practical um, we've changed schools um, uh, unfortunately in today's society where you know our the kids are a lot more connected through social media um, it's you know moving schools doesn't necessarily have the effect that you'd hope it would mm. um, and so you know still still other kids who are friends with kids he had problems with you know um, jump on the bandwagon and so and and I I, I scratch my head a little bit because I think Kai's actually um, I'm surprised he's having the dramas he has because he is 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 a real positive kid and he's got a lot to offer but um and certainly outside of school we've got some really great friendship circles that you know where is a where is love and life and a great contributor but for whatever reason he hasn't been able to find a place at school and yes that has been challenging um, I think it's a challenging subject for you know we've taken it down the proper routes and and for the teachers it's 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 almost impossible to police um you know they can police the big moments the big events but it's those thousand death by thousand cut events that mm. they'll never be able to police and so for us we've just had to equip things in kai to be able to manage that like build him up and make sure that those statements don't become defining statements about him mm. that he's really clear of who he is that he's a guy that um, is loved, is worthy to be loved, is is got a fantastic bunch of qualities for whatever reason that these guys don't value, mm. and um, 
and you know we're I'm 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 reminded of you know we had our I had my um, I was unable to attend but I was reminded of it because I had my 30 year school reunion last weekend and um, it's really interesting 30 years down the track the people that were those bullies you know when I was growing up it's interesting that um, and this again a bit of a generalised statement but often didn't amount to much beyond school you know in that in and and I guess one of the things we've spoken about with Kai is that typically when someone's trying to make you feel less than them, it's coming from a place of insecurity in them. You know, the fact that they need to do that mm. is really their insecurity. And bullying manifests itself either physically or through words, through a need for them to feel better and more important than you. And so, you know, trying to equip Kai with things like that, information like that, where he's able to go you know, this doesn't define me and actually this is coming from a place of brokenness in them. Look, in the moment, it probably doesn't make it much better, but, you know, it's 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 the piece that we can do. Um, and thankfully, he's out of school and, uh, you know, the school the school rules don't apply in a workforce. In fact, some of the stuff that would happen on a school place, you know, what's, what is great to see is in today's workforce, you know, is instant dismissal stuff, you know, and so... Um, he's now in an environment where you know he's not going to be dealing with that kind mm. of rubbish. Mm. Um, but it is it is sad, and I, I, I do I do feel for. Um, I think your 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 years at school are really great years and important years, and you know you'd hope obviously for your kids to have a really positive experience. So it's a bit of a shame he didn't, but mm. um, but he remains being a really positive human being, and I'm proud of him for that. Yeah. And Glenn, how's Kai getting on in the workforce? It's early, early times for him there, but how's he finding that? Yeah, he's only he's only yeah a month or so in now, but um, but yeah, I think you know he's he's, he's hooked up with a really great boss, and um, and and that boss is all over this sort of stuff, and um, yeah, so far so good, and I think it's just a really good fit. He's he's started a carpentry apprenticeship. It's a really good fit with his skill set. Um, so yeah, I think he'll do really well. Yeah, it's good to hear. And um, Sam and I have talked a lot about in the past about some theories that the first, the first six seven years of a kid's life, um, is very much mum focused. The second six seven is, is maybe dad focused, and and if you've, uh, then then the third is is friends, and then if you've kind of done a good job, hopefully you have a good relationship, albeit maybe a different relationship when they come back in their early twenties. Obviously, you you're both in the in the throes of that and, and Hannah being 23 you can probably reflect on those first 21 years of her life do you think that rings true is there something that resonates there there with you and how mm. I think you mentioned Hannah's moved out now mm. um, just want to touch on that and, and your relationship with with her especially yeah yeah I mean I think whether it's true it probably rings true to some extent I, I, I know for sure I remember struggling to connect with um, the kids at a great level when they were, you know, essentially just pooing and 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 and, and feeding, you know, um, it was great, but it wasn't it wasn't uh, when they could start interacting with you and recognising you as someone that mattered. That's obviously when it um, the lights turned on a bit. I think um, I think since that moment, you know, you know, while certainly Leanne did the lion's share of you know practical parenting. You know, in terms of, you know, all the different practical things you got to do to parent. Um, I think relationally, you know, we've probably always contributed in a fairly equal way, and um, um, and even through those seasons that you talk about, which you know would be present. Um, I think we've maintained, 
you know, a focus and an emphasis and an intentionality with their relationship. So, so yeah, to some way true, some way not. Um, Hannah, she moved, she, she actually left at the end of year 12, she did a gap year, decided she liked that so much, she did another one the year after. So she went over to Europe the first year and did some traveling around there on her own. And then she did um, a van trip around Australia on her own the following year, um, which I think was amazing. You know, I'd so highly recommend that. Um, I'd so highly recommend that. Yeah, I think that's um, that was just a real. Um, it's really where she found out in a, in a lot of ways where who she was as a person. A lot of self discovery on that trip, and yeah, it was a great thing for her. So highly recommend that. Um, so she never came back to the family home really after that after year twelve really. Um, you know, she went and lived at um, a bunch of different places over time. Um, yeah, and so relationally, she actually works with me now, um, so I see her a lot um, through that. Um, look, I think I think Hannah's just been. Um, you know, you talk about some of the culture piece in our family. I think Hannah's been a really major contributor to that culture. I think they all bring their own bit, but being a little bit older than the kids, she really played almost a quasi-mum role to the younger kids um, in her growing up years, and that's just how she's naturally wired as well. She's a bit of a mum. Um, and, yeah, so I think she, you know, played a real, yeah, really important role and continues to play a really important role. I know there's some stuff that Kai and Lani will talk about with Hannah that they probably don't want to talk about with me. Um, or if they do, it might be Hannah would be the first place they go to. So, um, yeah, which I guess feeds into that continuing relationship that we all have as a family and the different roles we get to play. Oh, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. And, and I'm just interested as well about the one-fifth rule. Um, yeah. We're obviously both families of five here as well. And I think I know the answer to this one, but I'm interested. Who, who umpires? Who's the steward of, of, of the one-fifth rule? We don't get the calculators out, and we're not on stopwatches. <laughs> but it's just—it's more just a premise to say, you know, if if one person's getting too much of the airplay, they're they're stealing it off somewhere else, right? We've all got a finite amount of time, and so you know, for us, it's more just a, you know, a little bit of a hey, rule of one fifth, fifth here, you know, you're you're taking you're taking the piss a bit here, so you know, it's a bit of a, a prompt, a bit of a reminder, but no one's no one's out with the stopwatches. More just a more just a general. It's pretty obvious when someone's getting all the bit. And and there's seasons. There are seasons where that's warranted. I will say that. You know, there are seasons where you do need to take up a bit more than your one fifth. Um, but if that becomes just a um, you know, a, a, I guess if that moves into entitlement, then that's something that you know I, I, I don't want to have anything about. I don't want to be part of that. Mm. Hey, Glenno, what's your number one dad folklore tip? Um, so maybe talking to dads of mine and Tom's sort of vintage in terms <laughs> of we've got, you know, kids sort of going into that school. Yeah, yeah. If you could, ta- if you were back talking to Glenn. <laughs> How long ago? Uh, let's say Hannah was going into primary school. So you've got two young kids, you've got Hannah in primary school. What would you, you, what would you be telling Glenn back then? Buy Bitcoin. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's really interesting. I think um, 
I think we go through stages as, as men and particularly we're all wired a bit differently, but I think, you know, we, we all probably have something we find our identity in. Um, for me, that was work, you know, and so I was quite, have always been ambitious. Um, and so, um, you know, and, and you know, you, we could talk, you know, for another hour around, you know, what drives that ambition and, you know, is it an identity piece and do I need to be seen a certain way and do I need to have certain things and all that. And I'm probably guilty of all that, you know, um, over the years. I think one of the problems of being ambitious is that you can not live in the moment and always be looking to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm still guilty of that now. Like I can find myself actually, you know, going, well, what's the next thing? you know, that we're going to do, even if that's in a good quadrant, you know, like where are we going to go on holiday next? You know, it's like, well, how about you enjoy the holiday you're in, you know? And so I think if I was looking back 15 years ago, you know, the difference, the thing that has really shocked me is the difference between, if you were to think back, what's the last five years, how long ago was five years ago, at the age that I'll say we are, I'm a touch older than you guys, but, but at the age we are, five years is nothing, right? But five years in the development of a kid is the years 13, they're a kid, to 18, mm. they're an adult. It's mm. nothing, mm. you know, and yet the transformation between a 13-year-old child to an 18-year-old is mammoth, mm. you know. And so I would just say, you know, be a bit more grounded, be where you are, like enjoy the moment you're in, enjoy the season you're in because it will not last. And you'll look back longingly for some of those seasons and go, gee, they were special moments, they were special seasons or, you know, and you won't get them back. Um, so I think, you know, being less focused about the future, there's a time and a place for that, but less focused about the future and more able to just be in the present now would be what I have struggled with and, and to a certain extent still do. Um, but, you know, certainly in those fift- in 15 years ago when I was very focused on, you know, building, you know, wealth and building... You know, you're, you're securing your family's future, which all seem really good things and really justifiable things. And I'm not saying they're not, but like anything, it's a bit like the rule of one fifth. When things get out of balance, it's like, well, you know, something pays for that. And so if the cost for that is the time you get to spend with your kids um, and, 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 and investing in them and intentionality, you know, the fruit of that will be, you know, uh, a relationship that isn't as strong as it probably could have been. Yeah. Awesome. Gleno, thank you so much for coming in, mate. You did uh, a bit of a guilty pleasure here. I get to spend an hour talking to, you know, two of the guys that um, I spend a lot of time with and a lot of talk. Uh, Not only do I get to spend uh, an hour chatting to Glenn, I get to spend an hour chatting to Tom as well together. So it's been a really enjoyable, really enjoyable time. So we kiss and hug after the mics are off. But mate, thanks for coming down. Um, Just about to go to New Zealand with the family tomorrow. So have an awesome time. Um, And, you know, really, really appreciate it, Gwenno. No, it's a pleasure. And I think what you're doing here is really great. It's great to be able to support it. I think it's an awesome thing. Um, I'd give a big shout out to your wives, Mel and Flick, because, um, you know, ultimately they uh, allow you to do what you do here. And I know that doesn't come without cost to them. So, um, but I think, you know, for their sake, I think, you know, just the conversations that I've heard, I've listened to most of your podcasts there. I think they've got... um, the potential to be really transformative for people. So mm. hats off to you for investing so much time each week into it because it's a big commitment. Mm. Thanks, Th- Glenn. Thanks to 
thanks to both of you for the, the comments there. My heart's actually just started racing a bit. <laughs> Very nice. But um, I think what I'd close on saying, and thanks again, Glenn, for, for your time. Um, you mentioned a, you know, a statement, you can judge a, a tree by the, the fruit it bears. And um, I think you know what Hannah has said about you at the beginning there and, and the kind of people I've met tired at the gym Kai sorry mm. <laughs> um, the kind of people that, that they are and I believe they are um, huge kudos to, to you and Leanne the, the tree that, that did bear that fruit and um, if my daughter at the age of 23 is saying those kind of things about me I'll be I'll be pretty proud so mm. um, well done to, to you both for raising such a beautiful family and creating such a an amazing environment it strikes me from the start that you've chosen lifestyle and mm. um, quite a lot as well and it's just created that really safe and loving environment for for your kids and um, to grow into beautiful adults mm -hmm. thanks tom awesome need a need a hug it out <laughs> <laughs> cheers guys cheers man thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed the show like, share, subscribe, and all that rad dad stuff. Remember, we're all just dads doing our best. No pressures, no guilt, just a lot of love and talk. If you're struggling with anything, reach out to someone. A problem shared is a problem halved.